Thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today, and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nvplaceofhope.com. Now for the message by our senior pastor, Gabby Mejia. Amen. Um, today we're our, we are in week three of our sermon series entitled More, and More uh, has to do with the vision of where the Lord is leading us in 2019, and and I, and I said this two weeks ago, um, uh, I met with the team, the leadership of our church, we met in October of 2018, and it was in October that I shared to the leadership this theme for 2019, so our leaders for the past three months before the year started, we were smelling the vision, breathing the vision, embracing the vision, and so now as we jump into 2019, now is our job to take the church towards this journey, which is why the past two weeks we've been talking about more and using David as the model, um, but I want to encourage you that next Sunday it's important for me and for you to be in church, and if possible bring someone who doesn't know Jesus, because next Sunday we're going to give what I call the state of the church address, and what I'm going to do in that is I'm going to share with you what it is we're going to be doing for the next 11 months and a half, where is the Lord leading us, what are the, the, the assignments that God has for us? What are we believing God for? And so it's important that everyone that's part of New Birth knows that. That you could hear it firsthand. That you can be on the know. When a president is elected, he goes in the Capitol and he does his, you know, his State of the Union address and everybody's there hearing what he has to say. The Lord is going to lead us in this year and God wants to tell us where he wants to lead us. So it's important that we're all here next Sunday. I don't care if your toe hurts. I don't care if your back hurts. I don't care if your fingernails hurt. Come to church next Sunday. It's important to have direction. It's important to know where we're going. And so for us, it's important that we share this to the church. Amen. And then also, um, I don't have a lot. I don't have a lot. I, I had a thing here. Um, um, uh, was was Andrew. I had a book here. Bible. Um, can I get the booklet of more? Somebody give me the booklet of more. Um, we, we have a limited amount of booklets that talk about the vision of the, of the church. And um, what I'm going to do is, for those of you who already were part of the leadership meeting in October, please go and get a booklet. But I want to ask and encourage the families that are here, if you could take one per family. I have maybe 40, 50. Um, and so the idea is that uh, you can see what God has done last year. And that booklet talks a little bit about what the accomplishments, the victories that God has given us. And then it also talks about some things that are coming in the future. So I want to encourage every family that can get it. Um, again, if you're a family of five, one per family. Uh, because if not, we won't have enough for everybody. Um, I, I need that booklet. Can somebody give me that booklet? Amen. Amen. It's coming. And so and so the idea of that is that you can start reading and going through it so that next year, to the next Sunday, you can come prepared. You can come prepared. Amen. For what God is going to do. Amen. And so I, I, I say that with 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 the utmost utmost respect. I was in um, last Sunday I was at I was in here. I was at Newport Richie. And this is part of what God is doing. Richie, we installed uh, Lewis and Maritza to help co-pastor the English church, and then we installed two other couples, amen, two other couples 
to, um, to lead the Spanish church. So the church of God is growing in Port Ritchie. And that's why we weren't here last Sunday, but I heard that it was a blessing here last Sunday. And I just want to, I want to say this to let you all know that God is doing something wonderful in new birth. And, and, and you're a part of something great. Um, and so the worst thing you can do is nothing as God is growing the church. Yesterday, we had our, our next steps. And next steps is the way people become members of our church. And we had 22 people that uh, took membership classes and now they're going to be, amen, official members of our church. And this is just the third week of the month and we already have 22 people. So we're believing God for great things and wonderful things. So if you're here and perhaps 2018 you've been coming to church and you've been visiting church and you said this is my church, I just haven't made the next step. It's important for us that you take that next step and that you become a member of our church. Uh, but anyway, so here's, here's the booklet. This is how it looks. And inside it has a little bit about the, uh, where we're going and the vision and a report that I gave uh, to the leadership as to what God has done and what we have uh, accomplished. So if you're a family here and you're interested in wanting to know the report, you can do that as well. And we have report and we have vision. We have uh, a financial report of the things that we've done financially. Uh, and then we also have uh, some other dates and, and things that I believe will bless you. So make sure everyone... Uh, every family that can get one to make sure you get one. And I promise you is going to bless you. Amen. Father, we love you. We bless you. We thank you. Because you are real. Because you are here. Because you are wonderful. So Father God, as I get ready to share your word, may you speak in the hearts of your people. May you challenge us, God. The power of your word is that it challenges us. It ignites us. It makes us more like you, God. So, Father God, use me as an instrument, God. My words without your grace and your anointing is useless, God. But your words and your anointing and your power through me towards your people brings about, Lord, victory and results. So, Father God, I pray you use me for your glory. I can't do this without you, Lord. I am unable, Lord, to do anything without you, Lord. So I depend on you. I trust you, God. I ask you, Lord, to do it, God. And for all of our visitors here, Lord, today they will get saved. They will come to know you, God. And we will celebrate you when that moment comes. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says amen. Amen. First week, I just want to recap real quick. First week, uh, we talked about, and again, using David as a model, the theme for this year is more and more is an acrostic, is an acronym that we're using uh, to kind of like explain what more means. And more uh, uh, has to do with the M, which focuses on maintaining what God has given us. I, I spoke to you last Sunday, two Sundays ago, that in order to embrace more of God, we have to know what we have so that we can differentiate what's new versus what's old. And in 2018, to the glory of God, 1,098 people gave their lives to Jesus in all of our services. And so God gets the glory out of that. Now, if we're talking about more, then that means this year's got to be greater than. So in order to know what more is, we have to know what we have. And so, but God will not allow us to go into more if we don't have the capacity to maintain what he has given us. And Matthew 25 talks about if you're faithful with the little, then God will place you in much. So M 
of more has to do with maintaining what God has given us. The O of more has to deal with overcoming. Because nothing great is going to come easy. Nothing big comes easy. So there's a level of overcoming which implies there's some fights we got to fight. There are some battles we have to fight. There's a war we have to fight. And some people are going to fight. Some people are going to battle. And some people are going to war. Because everyone is going to struggle based on their level of fighting. Some people can't go to war. They don't got what it takes. Some people can't go to battle. Some people could just fight the good fight. Others have to fight battles and others have to fight the war. But everyone in this room, as we believe God for more, we have to maintain and we have to overcome. And the R for more is as we fight, we rely on God. Because everything God gives us is because of our dependency in Him. I have to, my reliance comes in God. I rely on God for everything I do in my life. Relying on God guarantees us victory when he gives us more. Because relying on God says it's not a Gabby thing. It's not a Maria thing. It's not a Peter thing. Relying on God is you are the source. You are the source of my strength. So we have to maintain. We have to overcome. We have to rely. And the E for more is expect God for great things. Expectancy does not allow me delete expectancy there's no room for stagnancy or mediocrity when you're expecting something when a, when a father and, a, and, a, and a, when a couple is expecting a baby there's there, there's this excitement there's this thing you're, you're not no 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 whenever you expect for something you're getting prepared you're getting in order you're getting things right because expectation ushers you to embrace the great things God has for us so we have to maintain, we have to overcome, we have to rely, and we have to expect God for more. So that's what we talked about week one. And then we said seven things that David had that ushered him to be a candidate for more. Seven things he had based on 1 Samuel 16. He was a Bethlehemite, right? He was skillful in playing. He was a man of valor. He was a man of war. He was a comely person. He was prudent in all of his matters, and the Lord was with him. Those were the seven things. He was a Bethlehemite too. Those were the eight things that David had that qualified him for more. Last week, Pastor John spoke about anointing before appointing. He talked about the importance of understanding that you can only do an assignment you have been anointed for. And living in the more of God will always give you the power, based on what John was preaching last Sunday, will always give you the power to operate in spiritual realm. He was talking about being anointed and being appointed and the dynamics that happen between the moment of fulfillment and the process in between. And he was talking about that delay does not mean to be denied. The anointing is a reminder of who you are supposed to be so that in the process of waiting, you don't lose it because you know you've been called for greater. And that your process 
is your training ground for the appointment of last Sunday. Today I'm going to talk about several points. My first point is today, moving into more will come when you least expect it. Let me rewind that. Moving into more will come when you least expect it. And God is going to use, listen to me, God is going to use ordinary situations in your life like he did in David to move him from the back of the line to the front of the line. You remember the story when Samuel came looking for a king. He had Eliab, which means the Lord is my father, right? He had Abinadab, which is the Lord is my covenant. And he had Shammah, which is the Lord is present. Those three were the, out of the eight children that Jesse had, the Bible mentions these three. The Lord is my father, the Lord is my covenant, the Lord is present. And he bypassed one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And number eight, which was David the youngest, was all the way in the field taking care of sheep. And he was all the way in the back of the line. He was all the way, he was disregarded. He wasn't even presented as a candidate for Israel. But when you have the mentality of there's more in God in my life, God will use the ordinary situation from, to move you from the back of the line and place you in the front of the line. And I say that to say this, that being faithful, when you least expect it, will always set you up towards your destiny. There's something about being faithful in God. And, 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 and the thing about being faithful in God is that God doesn't say, be faithful for two and a half weeks and then I'm going to bless you. God's moment of fulfillment in your life comes when you least expect it. It comes when you don't even plan it. But there's an element that God will see because God is not looking for you to pass the tassel of your cap to the right and says, now you're ready. That God don't work that way. God is not working, take us a, a, a diploma like this. Oh, he's ready now. God, God don't work that way. Because what impresses God about appointing you is not a degree. It's not qualifications. Because if it hadn't been for qualifications, he should have picked the first son. With a name like Eliab, the Lord is my father. Who better than him? And God said, no, he got the right name, but he's not the one. Abinadab, the Lord is my covenant. The Lord is my promise. He's got a perfect name. God said, nope, he's not the one. He looks like he's the one. With a name like Shama. Can you imagine Shama? The Lord is present. And God says, nope, he ain't the one. And he got a guy by the name of David, which David means the loving one. Oh, I can preach that for a minute, but I can't. Because what impresses God is not the name, it's the relationship. What impresses God is not, oh, God is here, God is coming. No, 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 no. God is looking for a man after his own heart. Listen to me. So being faithful when you least expect it would always set you up for your destiny. And in the Bible, one of the greatest prophets ever in the Bible is the prophet Elijah. Elijah, guys, phenomenal. And Elijah understood that God was calling him to disciple somebody else so that eventually this guy could become his successor. 
And different from Elijah, his successor, Elisha, is the one that had the double portion or double the amount of the power that Elijah had. And when Elijah, the main one, is looking for his successor, he finds Elisha. But when he finds Elisha, Elisha's not speaking in tongues. Elisha's not having church. About praise. No. When, when, when he picks Elisha, Elisha's not reading the Bible. Elisha doesn't have a clergy garb on. Look, 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 look where Elisha is when Elijah finds him. First King chapter 19, verse 1920. It says, So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. Here's what he was doing. Look, look at the spiritual task he had. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. And he himself was driving the 12th pair. What he was plowing? Oxen. What is oxen? They're like big bulls. Right? Back in the days, they would use the oxen. And you attach to the oxen a plow, which is like a, a metal hook. And with that plow then the person holding the plow will have to push it to the ground so that as the oxen would move, the plow would make a crevice on the dirt so that then they could put seeds so that they can make a harvest. When the prophet is looking for a successor, he didn't go to the synagogue. He didn't go to, to a school of prophets. When he was looking for the next person, he found a man with his hands on the plow. And he wasn't the first one in the line. He was the twi He was all the way in the back. Look what it says. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Throwing the cloak of a prophet implied, you're next. Elijah then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said. And that talks about loyalty. And then I will come with you. Elisha was doing the ordinary. And what, impre what impressed Elijah in picking Elisha was that he did it with excellence. He wasn't like... And, and, and Instagramming at the same time. No, no, he, he was focused. I might be the last one in line, but I'm going to get this thing right. And it impressed Elijah to the point that he bypassed 11 yoke of oxen. And he said, oh, I want the last one. I want the last one. Because there's something about that one over there. There's something about him. He picked Elisha. While Elijah was doing an ordinary task. No speaking in tongues. Obviously, they weren't speaking in tongues in the Old Testament. Nothing spiritual. He was doing the ordinary. But moving you into more will come with your level of faithfulness in the ordinary things God allows you to do. And he's gauging your level of excellence as the determining factor as to whether A, he's going to take you to the next realm or B, you're going to stay plowing oxen for the rest of your life. This ushered this man to the double portion of the prophet. This is what qualified Elisha 
to have the double power of Elijah. It wasn't that he was anointed. It wasn't that he walked on water. It's that he was faithful. And David, like Elijah, Elisha, is in his father's house caring after sheep. He's not, he's not in battle. He's not fighting giants. He's not in the temple. He's out in the sheep where nobody wants to be. And David was doing the M of more. He was maintaining his father's sheep. Church, being faithful and maintaining your father's sheep will always set you up for another assignment. There are people that are doing the same thing they've been doing for the past 20 years because they haven't been faithful in maintaining what you have been given. And then you get mad and upset because everyone is progressing but you. But you're the first one to quit when things don't go right. And you're the first one to hang up the gloves when things get tough. David was, now, now bear in mind, oh, but David, that's not fair because David is David. No, David was rejected by his, by his brothers. His father ignored him. When the prophet came looking for a king, he didn't even get David. This guy, he ain't no good. And, and while he's taking care of his father's sheep, he ignored his son. And in the middle of that depression and that rejection and that ostracize, David was still being faithful. Being faithful and maintaining your father's sheep will always set you up for another assignment. But if you're not faithful, see, see, doing assignments exposes your gifts to people who have the power to put you in better places. But if you suck, nope. Let me tell you, when I was in middle school, we used to live in the projects in the Bronx. Not wrong with the projects, by the way. I love you, you know, bless the PJs, right? Um, um, I remember we used to live in the projects, and I used to live in University Avenue, which is near Yankee Stadium. And I remember uh, 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 back then, uh, my, my, my older sisters and I, since we were the olders, we were the gophers. So, so, so. You know, um, from, from the project building to the store was a long walk. And, and, and I had no problem going to the store. My mother used to make me do, you know, we call in Spanish, mandao. You know, I'm a mandao, right? Which is, do me a chore, right? Or, or go to the store, right? And, 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 and I didn't have a problem going to the store in the summer because, hey, you know, it's hot, it's nice, cool, collected. But, but going, going to the store in the winter, cold, you know, um, um, and, 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 and whenever my mother used to open the refrigerator and notice there was just this much, a little bit of milk in the refrigerator, I was like, oh, gosh, she's going to call either Evie, she's going to call the Cynthia, she's going to call me. And oh, Lord, not me, Lord, devil is a lie, not me, not me, not me. Gabby! I was like, oh, man. And then if, if, if I bought it with cash, but I had to buy it with coupons. I don't know about coupons. And, and, you know, nowadays you got coupons in the car. Back then you had the little booklet. Remember the, the singles was colored brown, the blue was color was the number five, the green was the number ten, and the twenty was the number purple. Remember, remember, and I had to go with my little booklet. Y'all know about that? Whippersnappers, I don't know about that. With my booklet to go buy some milk and some bread. As 
like, oh my God, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. And my mother would always make us go. And, I, and, and it was cold, and my little booklet, and my little coupons, and I would buy the milk. Because I understand, if we were buying pizza, hey, I'll I, 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 I thug it out. But I'm buying milk. Because we used to like, chocolate con pan, chocolate con pan, about Crazy. But there's something about being faithful in that because there's something about being faithful and being a gopher. 15, 20 years later, my wife and I, we got married. And we decided we wanted to be in the church that was going to help us fulfill our pastoral call. So we joined this church in the Bronx called Thessalonica, TC, Thessalonica Church. And we joined the pastor and told the pastor, listen, we believe there's a calling over our lives over, to be pastors, and so we, 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 we want to come here. Now, bear in mind, I was an evangelist. I was, a, I was an evangelist, and, and I was preaching, and we was preaching and, and traveling and doing tent crusades and going to Puerto Rico and going to Dominican Republic and Haiti and all this stuff. And, and, but, but, but there's a calling to pastor a church. And I remember, I remember that when I told them, uh, 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 I've always told you that my first position in the church was a bus driver, right? He gave me, he, he, he took the briefcase and he gave me the keys to the van. But, but, but in be, before I got that position of driving the van, he, he made me his gopher. He made me his gopher. And I remember that, that, that he said, Gabby, I need you to do me a favor. Because every year we would celebrate anniversary. And so two years, we invited the same preacher. And Ga Pastor was like, Serrano, he was like, Gabby, get I want you to go to the airport and pick up the preacher. And the preacher had a pick up at that time wasn't even a pastor it was pastor nino who was a superintendent in puerto rico and and he said gabby i want you to go pick him up from the airport take him to his aunt's house drop him off because she lived in the bronx and then pick him up on sunday to come to church that was that was it that was my job and and i remember i remember i remember i remember that that that, that you know when, when he when he asked me to do him that favor i was like what do you think I, i'm an evangelist somebody else pick him up no, you know, you want me to pick him up? Okay, babe, I'll be right back. I gotta go to the car wash because I gotta clean this car. I gotta make sure it's clean. I'm gonna clean the inside, clean the outside. I'm gonna put a bottle of water in the in the cup holder so when he comes, it's it's it, it's a mentality that says if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do it to the best of my ability. And I picked up and I picked up at the time he was in a pastor. I picked up Nino from the airport. I take him to his aunt's house. We're not speaking in tongues in the car. Talk about hiba sota ba 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 ba. No, no, none of that. We're not preaching to each other. See who's more anointed. And the Bible says, hey. and he's like, hey. no, no, none of that. I'm just driving the guy to his house. Nothing spiritual there. We don't speak in tongues. We're not reading the Bible. We're not casting out devils. I'm just driving him to his aunt's house. Sunday came, picked him up in his house. Drove him to church. He did his preaching. Next day came. I drove him to the airport. My pastor didn't give me a spiritual task. There was nothing spiritual about picking him up at the airport. I wasn't preaching to Pastor Nino trying to impress him. I wasn't laying hands on the sick in the middle of the light with the bums here. Receive. No, none of that was happening. I simply picked him up at the airport. And little did I know that because of that, four years later, he was going to call me to become his youth pastor of Iglesia del Calvario. Imagine if when Neserrano told me to pick him up, I said, no, I ain't doing it. 
I'm an evangelist. But there's something about being faithful. There's something about being faithful. There's something about you understanding that whenever you do something, the thing you do when you least expect it, God is going to use that to take you to a whole nother level. You got to be faithful. You got to be faithful. Even the most minuscule task, do it unto the Lord. So if I'm going to put the podium here, the pressure is on, fellas. Before you put it in, dust it. Don't give me a dirty podium. If I'm going to do something in the church, clean it. If I'm going to play the drums, I'm going to clean the drums because I'm, I'm playing for the Lord. Everything you do, it's got to be from that perspective. And somewhere between that, when God sees your faithfulness, he says, this guy is ready for more. Thank you for the two other claps. Moving into more, my next point. Moving into more. Will come when you least expect it. But my next point is moving into more will always keep you focused. You cannot be, you cannot be focused and distracted at the same time. When you're moving into more, you're focused. Now bear in mind. David has an assignment. Hey, go take some bread and take some cheese and send it to your brother. David was so focused in doing what his father told him to do that he was not distracted by Goliath because he was too busy doing his assignment. He was too busy being faithful in what his father told him to do that he did not let Goliath distract him. And so while David is being faithful, here we have the undisputed heavyweight champion of Gath by the name of Goliath, who is threatening God's people and God's army. And everybody's afraid, but David is so focused in his assignment that he does not allow the threats of Goliath to intimidate him from doing his task. He's focused. When you live life focused, when your life is focused on the calling, when you live life focused on the promise, when you live life focused on your family, there is, listen, listen, there is no room for adultery if you're focused on your marriage. There is no room for sin if you're focused in honoring God. I've never, I've never been wanting to honor God and smoke a blunt at the same time. Lord, I love you. You're so good, Lord. It doesn't happen. I, I don't speak in tongues and have sex with another woman at the same time. When you're focused in God, the focusing on God will cancel out every other alternative in your life. He was not distracted. One of the things that keeps us paralyzed is distraction. And then another thing is, our sense of entitlement. I deserve this. Papa, just take the bread and cheese and shut up. Papa, you know, that's not fair. How come I'm not fighting in the battle? But that's not your assignment. That's why you have to realize what you've been anointed for. I, I, I might be, listen, I might be taking bread and cheese right now. I might be a delivery boy, but there's a king anointing inside of me. And don't get it twisted. I, 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 
I'm so anointed that I can have the anointing of a king and be humble enough to serve at another level that is even below the anointing I've been having, having over my life. Make sure we don't fall in the trap of feeling, well, I'm not at that level no more. Now you got to call me pastor. If it ain't a pastoral duty, I ain't doing it. If it ain't a minister's duty, I ain't doing it. If it ain't a board duty, that's what you're full of duty. Listen to me. Moving into more will keep you focused. Listen to me. The children of Israel were consumed by fear. Israel's army was consumed by fear. Why? Because for 40 days and 40 nights, this guy by the name of Goliath would wake up in the morning and say, I defy for you to send me a man to fight against me. You, you know what's to wake up every morning to a threat? And then he'll do it every morning and every night. So you wake up in fear and you go to sleep in fear. But when you're focused, you're not. You're, fear is not a reality that's going to tarnish your faith in God. Every morning, the army of God was afraid. Because every morning, Goliath would say, bring me a man. I want to fight somebody today. And nobody would fight. And that night, he was like, yeah, sissies, I'll see you tomorrow. Let's fight again tomorrow. For 40 days, the army of God was overwhelmed by fear. But not David. Because everybody was hearing Goliath, but he was too busy being a great messenger. He was too busy being a faithful delivery boy. That his focus was, I'm going to send this cheese to the captain the best way I can. I'm going to give this bread to my brothers the best way I can. He was faithful. Listen. And fear has this thing that causes people not to go into the battlefield. No one would get in the battlefield to fight Goliath. And let me just say this. Who was supposed to fight Goliath was King Saul. Not David. First of all, Samuel was the tallest. He was the tallest of all the Israelites. And if anybody had to speak up for Israel, it was Saul. But there's something about fear that will cause you to miss out your calling because some of us only want to do this and want to be faithful and want to serve God as long as we don't go through struggle. But the moment a struggle comes in, I want to fight. The moment a struggle comes in, anybody here. The moment a challenge comes, that's when you want to quit. And that's when you want to run, and that's when you want to hang it up, and that's what, listen, listen, listen. It's the challenges of life that lets God know and God's people know your level of stamina and your focus on wanting more that God has for you. But if you're running the first fight that comes your way, Saul was like, I find this guy. No one will get in the field. The children are backed up, threatened by Goliath. But David is doing his father's job. 
then his father says, I got an assignment for you, my son. It ain't spiritual, but I want to see your faithfulness. Take this bread, take this cheese, and go to your brothers. Yeah, your brothers, the one that didn't, the one that don't talk to you, yeah, go, go to them. The one that disregard you, go to them. I want you to minister to those that hurt you in the process. Go to them. That's what God, that's how God is. That's how God is. That's how God is. Because God is checking your heart. Checking your heart. Because, because this thing, this thing comes with tears. This thing comes with betrayal. This thing comes with hypocrisy. This, this, this is not the greatest show on earth. This comes with headache. But there's something about being faithful in the process. So David walks away from a place of faithfulness. David was faithful to his father. He was faithful to his father's sheep. He was faithful to caring for what his father had placed in his, land, in his life. He walks away from faithfulness. And he walks into a place of fear. When you're living in the more, and when you know you've been anointed, you can walk out of the things of security and the things of faithfulness and walk into the midst of obscurity and in the midst of uncertainty and the things that walk have fear. That's why David will say stuff like this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow and of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because when you're faithful in God, your faithfulness in God is greater than any fear that can come your way. When you live a faithful life, your faithfulness in God will give you the assurance that God is with you and the assurance that you have been anointed so that when you go through dark valleys, you will not fear because in the middle of the valley, you know God is with you and his rod and his staff will cover you. David walks from a place of faithfulness into the mouth of the enemy, the place of fear. He's not afraid. He's not intimidated. Moving into more keeps you focused. My next point is moving into more requires you to follow instructions. You got people in the hand by telling me what to do. I, I just do what the Holy Spirit tells me what to do. In the Bible, there was a debate in Scripture in the New Testament. Because people say, no, I'm a Paul. I'm from Paul. Others said, I'm from Apollos. Others said, I'm from the apostles. But there was a group of believers that said, I'm not from Paul. I'm not from Paul. I'm Jesus. Did you know that those were the worst people in the church? The ones that say, no, no, Jesus told me what to do. I don't listen to nobody. It's just me and the Holy Spirit. We have a one-line connection, and he speaks to me. No, 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 no. Those brought headache to the church. Because there's power in following instructions. Moving into more requires you to follow instructions. Not to do it the way you want. See, this is why many people get in trouble. Because would they give you a task and you want to do it your way? I didn't tell you to fold it. I told you to lay it. Nah, then, you know, my mama told me how to fold it. But that's not what I told you. Follow instructions. Follow instructions. Instructions is a catalyst that will let the person giving you more know, can I trust you with more? Look what the Bible says, Samuel 17. 17 and 18 says, now Jesse said to his son, take the ephah, 
of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers. And hurry to their camp. And take along these ten cheese to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are. Look at the instructions. And build an army for yourself. No. See how your brothers are. And bring back some assurance from them. God gave, his father gave him specific instructions. Take this bread, give it to your brothers. Take this cheese, give it to the commander. Check, make sure they're doing good. And let me know how they're doing. That was it. His father gave him a small task. His father gave him specific instructions. And David made it his business to not derail from the instructions his father gave him. And it might seem, but what's, what's the glory in this? Let me tell you this, church. Sometimes what seems like an ordinary assignment will turn into the place that will bring about your real assignment. The things that are ordinary are the things that God used to put you in the place you've been anointed for. David was anointed. But David was committed. Not only was David anointed and committed, David was working for his father. Listen to me. Listen to me, church. Anointing is not enough, Papa. Anointing is not enough. You got to be committed. You got to be faithful. Anointing don't cut it. No, no, no. The anointing of the Lord, that's all I need. No, no. Got to be faithful. David was faithful. David was committed. David was working for his father. Although he was a shepherd. You want me to be a gopher? I'll be a gopher. Although he was a shepherd, you want me to go bring Jesus to the commander? I'm going to do whatever you want. I'm going to do it. Because moving into more will always require you to follow instructions. Here's the other one. Moving into more requires you to show up. You got to show up. David showed up. Imagine if his father Jesse said, hey, take this bread and cheese. Your brother said, I ain't going. I'm too busy taking care of sheep. Somebody else go. Why don't you put it through Uber Eats or something? He didn't do that. He knew he had more. And he moved into more. And moving into more required him to show. Imagine if David would have said no and not go that day. We would never heard about David killing Goliath. Imagine if he didn't show up. I ain't going to church today. Nah. I'm too tired. My toe hurt. I ain't going to church today. No. David showed up. He didn't know that day he was going to fight this giant. He didn't know that day he was going to win. But he was obedient. He showed up. His presence was there. His presence was vivid. Listen to me, church. There's a blessing in showing up. There's a blessing in showing up. There's a, I'm going to say it again. There's a blessing. I remember when, when I had my three kids. Now they're all grown and, and, and what have you. And some got hair in the chin thinking more than me. But I remember when I had my three kids. It was, it was Jonathan was months. John was one. Which, by the way, John and Jonathan right now, they're the same age. Um, for about a month. 
Um, 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 so Jonathan was months old, John was one, and Gabby was two. And, 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 and listen, my wife worked at a bank. Long hours, I worked at the court. Had to pick up our kids at the daycare. In my old church, we had service Tuesdays, Thursdays. Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sundays. And that's not even counting meetings. And that's not even counting retreat. We had to be retreat at 7 in the morning to retreat every Sunday. And if you was not, a, if you was not going to retreat on Sunday, you can be in leadership. So I was in church five days a week with my two-year-old, one-year-old, and month-old baby. And we went to church every day of the week. And we showed up every day of the week. And sometimes we were tired from work. See, because some people, oh, look at Pastor, you know, he's blessed. Yeah, I, I, I've been through what you're going through. Five, five days a week in church. Driving out of work. Get off the train, get in the car, drive my, to my wife, pick up my wife. No, pick up the kids, had to pick up the kids, put them in the car. Then wait in the bank to pet they come out because her, her manager had the devil inside of her. And, and, and she always let the kids, people come out late. So we had to wait till like 6.50, 7 o'clock and, and pick her up. We ain't had no time to go eat dinner from the bank. We'll go to church. And we did that five days a week. Showing up. Showing up. Showing up. Rained, showing up. Snow, showing up. When we didn't have a car, showing up. When we didn't have no money, showing up. Showing up. Something about showing up. But there are people in this church that you only come. We have 52 Sundays in a year. You probably come 14 Sundays. And by the way, when you see me worshiping out there and I'm looking, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping attendance. Oh, he ain't come again. Oh, she, she ain't here again. David showed up. And he showed up to do a tedious task. But that task was the greatest tedious task he made in his life. One of the ways you know that you're anointed is when you're faithful in doing another man's job. David said, I got to take cheese and bread. I'm going to be the best cheese and bread taker there is. It's faithful. You know you're a good steward when you handle what has been given to you as if it's yours. When your pastor gives you a ministry, treat it, not, not the way you treat it, treat it as if it's your pastor's. Treat it. Listen, if I give you an assignment, let me, let me tell you something. I take God's things seriously. I take it seriously. I take ministry serious. Everything I do for God, I take it serious. Because I know who I'm doing it for. So if I take it serious and I delegate you a job that I do for God with the best of my ability, and me giving you more, what I'm telling you is, I believe you can do that the way I do it when I do it. But if I give it to you, you don't do nothing with it. Be the best at what God has placed in your hands. And if you can't be the best, well, then you can't do the job. But, but be the best. I got to pick up Nino. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm shining my tires. I'm cleaning the car. I'm taking the pampers out of the back seat. I'm putting air freshener. I'm, I'm going to be the first one in the airport. I'm going to open the trunk, carry his bag, put it in. I'm going to put a bottle of water. I'm going to put the room, the AC, at perfect temperature. I, I'm going to find out which is the fastest route so he don't be stuck in church. I mean, you, when you operate like that, those are the things that take you far, church. 
Sometimes we miss it. We miss it. David was faithful. He was a good steward with what his father told him to do. I'm here to tell you, we have to learn how to take care of our father's business. Moving into more requires you to show up. My next point is moving into more will require you to fight giants. Fight giants. David was a young man who knew how to handle the giants in his life. He was young in age. He was short in stature. But he was a giant in fighting giants. David gets to the scene and he hears Goliath. He sees Goliath. And he asks this question. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Let me translate that. Ghetto style. Who does this fool think he is? Dominican. Oh, pero ¿quién está tigre cree que se es? Tigre está pasado. Boricua está. Chico mano, tú estás loco, papi. ¿Qué te pasa, papi? Who is this uncircumcised Celestine? Because listen, he's faithful in the job, but he's more faithful to his God. He's faithful to his, some, some, some people are faithful to the job more than they are to the God. And as long as they got the job, they don't care about that they, they, because they move by position. They're like, listen, listen, listen. I, I know I'm a cheese, but I'm a delivery boy. I'm a gopher. I know I take care of sheep. But when it comes to my God, there ain't nobody going to mess with my God because the reason I'm a good shepherd and the reason I'm a good gopher is because I got a good God in my life. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? David hears Goliath. David sees Goliath. But David is not afraid of Goliath. Everybody heard Goliath. Everybody saw Goliath. And everybody was afraid of Goliath. Not David. He heard him like everybody else. He saw him like everybody else. But he was not afraid. How do I know he wasn't afraid? Because he does something that I feel we need to do. Look what David does. David spoke truth to power. Goliath was powerful. Goliath was strong. Goliath was nine feet tall. Goliath was muscular. But there's something about truth. Truth always overcome power. That's why the Bible says, and you shall know the truth. And the truth will set you free. It doesn't matter how big Goliath was. David knew so much truth that the truth he knew about God never allowed intimidation to enter in the reservoir of his heart. So he spoke truth to power. And he says, who are you to dare rise up against my God? Here's what's crazy. Before David showed up to the scene, everybody was full of fear. The soldiers full of fear. The king hiding behind a rock. Before David showed up, everybody was full of fear. After David showed up, everybody was full of faith. Are you the type of believer that your presence changes the atmosphere? 
David's presence changed from fear to faith. From fear to faith. And that's why I'm here today. I'm here to speak faith in your situation. I don't know how big your Goliath is. I don't know how strong your Goliath is. I don't know how much you've been dealing with the threats of the enemy. But I've come to tell you, in the middle, in the middle of your fears, I'm here to speak faith to your fears. Moving into more will require you to fight giants. My next point is, moving into more requires you to acknowledge God. Moving into more requires you to acknowledge God. Here's what's crazy. Before David showed up, read the, read the, read the verses. Before David showed up, nobody mentioned God. The story starts out and everybody was afraid. And Goliath was threatening God's people. And everybody was in fear. And everybody was intimidated. Before David showed up, nobody talked about God. Everyone was talking about Goliath, not about God. But when David showed up, he starts talking about God. When God is in you, church, you can understand that greater is he that is in you. And you can say things like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He says, you know what? None of y'all want to fight him? Oh my God, I heard it. <laughs> so I have a massacre spirit. He says, nobody want to fight him? I'll fight him. I ask you today, are you willing to fight Goliath? Are you willing to fight that giant? Are you willing to fight the giant? Here's how you fight the giant, acknowledging God's sovereignty over your life. See, D David says, I can't die killing in this fight of Goliath. It's not been anointed to be king, and I'm not king yet. So I can't die in the battlefield until I, the only way I could die is after I'm king. So, so I'll fight him. I, I, don't know, I don't know how I'm going to beat him, but I know I'm going to beat him. Because I know God is with me. I'm acknowledging he's God. I acknowledge he anointed me. I acknowledge he appointed me. I acknowledge he wants me to be faithful. And if I do all these things, it don't matter if it's 10 feet tall, 1,000 feet tall, I'm willing to fight whoever it is because I'm sure of the God I worship and I serve. Moving into more requires you to acknowledge God. Acknowledge God. Of your giants. Acknowledge God. Acknowledge God. Do not lean in your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will make your path straight. Acknowledge God. Lastly, Next week we're gonna cut, we're gonna cut Goliath's head off and kill him. He ain't gonna die today. Moving into more requires you to acknowledge God, but moving into more will require a testimony from you. Will require a testimony. When David shows up, his brothers, his brothers ask him, yo, what you doing here? Nah, if I told me to bring cheese and bread, all right. Bye. His brothers. And I'm going to talk about that last next Sunday. What the, the comment that his brothers tell David to make him feel inferior. Oh, no. You don't want to miss next Sunday. 
His brothers ask him, what are you doing here? Not only does his brothers question his presence, Saul says, you want to fight Goliath? But you're not able to fight him because you're just a youth. This guy's been fighting since your age. And you want to fight? What qualifies you to fight? But David says to Saul, hey, 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 listen, before you kick me out, before you, before you, before you say no, I got to testify. Can I testify? Before you count me out, let me share a little testimony. Because just because I'm young, Mr. King Saul, doesn't mean I don't have a testimony. That's, listen, listen, there are people in this room that they've been saved for like three months. Just because they've been here for three months, that don't mean they don't got a testimony. Some of the new people here have been fighting more demons than some of the folks that have been here for 30 years. Listen to me. David says, before you throw me out of the palace or before you kick me out of the battlefield, can I testify? He says, when I was carrying my father's sheep, I was able to kill a lion and a bear. He says, listen, one time I was taking my sheep, right, my father's sheep, and a lion came. You know how lions come, right? Wait for it, wait for it. Come sneaking. But David, David was alert. And every time the sheep would warn away, he was like, And, and the Bible says, the Bible says, he says, and every time a lion would come, I remember one time, he says, I remember one time. He only talks about lions and, and, and bears, but there's other things he probably went through. Says, a lion came to try to take my sheep, and here's what I did. I grabbed him by the jaw. I, I might not look big on the outside, Mr. King, but can I tell you my story? One time a lion came. Don't, don't, don't judge the book by its cover. Then on another occasion, a bear came. I, I can't dramatize that. Why did David give those two examples? Because of who he was going to fight. A lion represents king of the jungle. A lion intimidates by his roar. Goliath for 40 days was intimidating God's people every morning with his roar. Who is willing to fight me today? A bear represents power and strength and height and strong. Goliath would show up every day with his strength and his shield and his fear. And he would intimidate with his appearance and he would intimidate with his mouth. And David is saying, I might have never fought that giant, but I fought the quad. I fought. I fought the characteristics of that giant. Because if you notice, if you notice, if you notice, let me sit down. If you notice, now I'm stand up. If you notice, David and Goliath never fought. The fight never happened. Because Goliath never fights with his fist. Goliath always fights with his mouth. Matter of fact, the name Goliath, the name Goliath, comes from an Akkadian language, and the definition of Goliath is a soothsayer. That means a person that speaks witchcraft. His name means, I don't fight you with a fight, I fight you by intimidation. I fight you by what I say. 
So every morning and every night he'll get up and he'll speak. And what he spoke brought fear. David says, I know how to handle those lines. I got them. I, I killed that before. I killed that before. I know how to do that. I know how to do that. And then his appearance, he was nine feet tall. He said, I got him. I got him. Because when you're living into more, you're going to be fighting fights. And from fighting a fight, you enter into battle. And from battle, you enter into war. And from war, you become a more than a conqueror. See, but the thing is, some of us, some of us, nobody knows the fights we're fighting. And people like to disqualify us. But David had to say, Papa, I got a testimony. I got a testimony. And my testimony is that I know how to handle that spirit. I'm experienced in killing Goliaths. So how do we overcome as Christians? Look what John the Apostle tells the church in the book of Revelation, chapter number 12, verse 11. He says, this is how they overcame. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb we sang that this morning and by the word of their testimony <laughs> and they loved not their lives until death this is how we overcome your testimony but you can't have a testimony unless you go through a test you cannot be victorious until you go through a process of being a victim. You cannot become a warrior if you're not willing to go to war. But David said, I'll do it. You know why? Because this is a good fight. I'm going to win this. Because I'm going into war. I'm not afraid by giants. I'm not afraid of Goliath. There's more. Faithfulness, obedience, being a good steward, being committed to your father, doing the little tasks as if you're doing it unto the Lord, those little stages gives you the assurance to walk in the fullness of God, working on the size of the giants and the size of your opposition. We hope this message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.